0: I invite you to stand if you are able for the reading of God's word. Today's scripture reading is from the book of Psalms, chapter 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wondrous works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, See, I have come. In the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me for troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I am unable to see they are more than the hairs of my head and my courage leaves me. Lord, please be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humili- humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You were my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's move into the preaching of the word. So, this past summer, there was a surprise hit movie that chronicled one of the darker aspects of global culture sex trafficking. The Sound of Freedom was a movie based on a true story where children that were kidnapped and kept captive. For the sake of profit and the pleasure of others, they are rescued and they are freed. It has received its fair share of critique, questioning how much it actually portrays the true story and how it may fail to highlight the real perils of the sex trafficking industry, yet many believe it is a beautiful movie of liberation. Those of you that have seen the movie, you likely remember How those working to liberate children, they concoct a plan to lure traffickers and dozens of children that are trapped to an island, and it works. Children are rescued, and they are set free. And so the next scene, it shows these children laughing and playing and singing. And one of the men looks to the other and says, you hear that? That's the sound of freedom. The statement in that scene communicates a principle that Psalm 40, the text read earlier, that it's going to invite us to consider. When God's people are saved from struggle, saved from slavery, freed from oppression, delivered from desperation, the sounds that are surfaced, they are celebratory sounds and they are sweet sounds. And so the title of my sermon this morning is Sounds of Salvation. If you've been with us in recent weeks, you know that we've been engaging, it's been a darker group of psalms, inviting God's people to lament, to experience and express sorrow and sadness. These psalms have been engaging a theme of waiting. Psalm 37, verse 7 be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Psalm 39, verse 7, Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. These psalms are testifying. There are seasons, God's people. We long for redemption and rescue. We look to God for hope, but it seems like that redemption is just beyond reach. We don't yet quite have it. And this period of waiting, it concludes then in Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry for help. Rescue and redemption has come. The author of Psalm 40 will liken being rescued to being pulled out of a pit. So our big idea this morning is being pulled from the pit produces powerful proclamations of praise. If you have a Bible or have a Bible app, open it up to Psalm 40. As we explore this text, we're going to consider what it means to be pulled from the pit, and, the, then, and then the power of the proclamation of praise that is produced. So let's begin by looking at verses 2 and into verse 3. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, And set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. So exactly what the situation is that makes the psalmist desperate is unclear. There's some ambiguity to it. We might imagine the psalmist experiencing feelings of guilt, feelings of being alone, Knowledge of struggling with ongoing sin. Feeling depressed. Having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Feeling angry and agitated. Maybe not being able to sleep or being attacked by others. Having a physical body that is not functioning the way it's intended to function. Feelings of being isolated. Feelings of being abandoned. These are all situations that we tend to acknowledge we need something outside of ourselves to rescue us. We need to be delivered. We need a rescuer. With the language the psalmist is using, we can imagine any number of scenarios as the source of desperation. Now, we know the situation is desperate because of the phrases that are used by the psalmist. Desolate pit. Muddy clay. The English Standard Version uses the language pit of destruction and miry bog. Another phrase I came across was slimy pit. So in using alliteration, one of the titles I played with for, for this psalm was saved from Slime. Being saved from slime surfaces a sweet song. So that language may be appealing to some of our kids, and perhaps it is accurate, but I I decided not to stick with that. Regardless, this scene of distress, it may be something you would encounter in a horror film. Someone desperate to be rescued. The person is helpless. He or she can't see very well. His feet are stuck as she strives to pull herself out. She only ends up digging herself in deeper and deeper. The situation is getting darker and more desperate. The person needs to be rescued, and that rescue has come. Instead of remaining in a dark, damp pit, the author proclaims God brought him out. Feet are no longer on shaky ground. They are now on solid ground. Instead of something unstable, feet are now planted on something secure. The psalmist says that movement from slime to security, being rescued, God puts a new song in his mouth. Being pulled from the pit produces a proclamation of praise. So on January 3rd of this year, 2023, there was a resident of a nursing home in Iowa that was receiving hospice care with declining health. To the point the funeral, to the point the nurse who was responsible for, for this woman's care was unable to find a pulse. The nurse notified the family and the funeral home and so the resident was transported to the funeral home. About two and a half hours later, after the nurse could not find a pulse, people unzipped the bag And they found the patient's chest moving, and she was gasping for air. Now, this was likely devastating news to the family, knowing that they would have to experience impending death again and likely embarrassing news to the nursing home, pronouncing someone dead who was not dead. But that news produced a powerful response when my coworkers and I, who work in a nursing home in Iowa, this was not our nursing home, read that story. Can you believe that? Could you imagine something like that happening here? Could you imagine someone being raised from the dead? This news of being pulled from the pit, even if it was only an apparent resurrection, it produced a sort of rejoicing. Being pulled from the pit produced a proclamation of praise. So in being rescued, the psalmist sings a new song. It is not an old one, reflecting what someone has experienced in the past. Being a new song, this is about work of redemption, not a work of creation. It's a song about renewal, regeneration, a song about rebirth. And this proclamation of praise is not a song praising self, can you believe what I did? It is a song praising God. I was lost, and now I see. God has opened my eyes. In being pulled from the pit, it produces a powerful proclamation of praise to our God. It is something we have to to sing rather than simply say. You may be familiar with this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The fact that we do not speak it, but sing it, only expresses the fact that our spoken words are inadequate to express what we want to say, that the burden of our song goes far beyond all human words. When we have been rescued, when we've been pulled from the pit, our response, it can't be captured by merely saying words. We have to sing. We sing a new song. It draws in our emotions. It's, it's not just something that I say when I reflect about news I read of on social media or in the newspaper or watching the news. When I've experienced being pulled from the pit, it is an experience that cannot be captured with mere words. Being pulled from the pit produces powerful proclamations of praise. Now, the psalmist gives us a picture of what it means. To be pulled from the pit. What we do or don't do as we are rescued. Let's explore that language. Here's verse four How happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or to those who run after lies? The person who is pulled from the pit trusts in the Lord rather than trusts in things of this earth. So the person who is not pulled from the pit, maybe that person denies that he or she needs a rescuer. I don't need any help. There is nothing wrong with me. This person has it covered. And in having it covered is oblivious to how the Lord may offer rescue. You can't be pulled from the pit if you deny you need help in the pit, or if you put your trust in other things. Now, in addition to this language of trusting the Lord versus trusting in, in, in the proud, that that needs to be happened, that needs to happen to be pulled from the pit, in verse six, the psalmist references how God has opened his ears to listen, which means that being pulled from the pit. Begins with listening. That language, open my ears. You, you, might, you might think of a head with a, a nose and some eyes and eyebrows, but it's missing its ears. The, the person cannot hear. With a, that language, you open my ears to listen. It literally means to dig out holes in our skull. That's what the Lord does to rescue us. We can hear when we reject being pulled from the pit, when we do not receive that, we do not listen. Now, I like to think of when I, w- when I was playing football, my coach would say, listen up, men. We can, we can hear this on Sunday mornings. Listen, friends. I, I want you to hear this. You see, may we, we may be hearing sounds of a speaker, yet we may not be attentive to what is being said. We can hear and not listen. So imagine someone in a dark pit, and those coming to rescue, they are shouting out instructions how to be rescued, how to be saved, but the lost is not listening. If you can't hear, if you do not listen, you can't be rescued. Many of us in the pit... We long for a change in circumstance, but do we listen to the voice of the Lord? When we are rescued, we listen to the voice of the Lord. Well, let's continue as we learn what it means to be rescued. Let's look at verse 6. You do not ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. Then I said, see, I have come. In the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will. My God and your instruction is deep within me. You see, being pulled from the pit, what the psalmist is saying here, is not about being busy. It is not about producing all sorts of activity. Many try to earn God's favor or achieve rescue through self-effort, through religious activity. The author is acknowledging being rescued is not about work that you do for God, but work done by God for you. Getting out of the pit isn't about pushing yourself out of the pit or pulling yourself out of the pit, but being pulled out of the pit. In this rescue, God gives us new desires. We hear God speak. We listen. The good news of redemption and rescue, it's not just about others. I hear that it's about me. Words, it is finished. They communicate, there is no more work to do to be saved. But there is work to trust in. God, God doesn't give you and I duties to perform, but he changes our hearts. As we experience rescue through renewal of an inward disposition. We want to do his will. We delight in duty. We do not look to religious works to save us. But because we are saved, because we have been rescued, we delight to do his will. Being pulled from the pit produces proclamations of praise. Sounds of delight in obedience associated with salvation. So in describing how we are pulled from from the pit, what we do and do not do to be rescued by the Lord, the author is saying, as we encounter situations of distress, everyone trusts in something for rescue. Everyone surrenders to something. And this is clarified. What we surrender to is clarified when we encounter situations of distress, Michael Richards, of Seinfeld fame, you may know him as Cosmo Kramer. Uh, When he did stand-up comedy, there was a video that was recorded that went viral, where he made racial slurs and he ridiculed someone in the audience. The public reaction was condemnation. Richards attempted to atone for these actions, acknowledging that he had said some nasty things to some African-Americans but his efforts to save his reputation were insufficient. They seemed to push him deeper into the pit. Years later, Jerry Seinfeld interviewed him, and it was apparent that Richards continued to experience embarrassment and shame. Here's pastor and author Paul Miller describing the exchange with Michael Richards. You could still feel Richards' shame. As he told Seinfeld, I busted up after that event seven years ago. It broke me down. Seinfeld encouraged Richards to let it go, saying, that's that's up to you to say I've been carrying this bag long enough. I'm going to put it down. But Richards couldn't. He just said, yeah, yeah. Richards couldn't put it down because deep down he knew he couldn't justify himself. He instinctively realized that even Seinfeld, with all his goodwill and fame, Couldn't declare him righteous. See, Richards here gives us a hint of the sounds that can be produced apart from surrendering to the Lord. On the one hand, when we trust in self and we experience feelings of what feels like rescue, when we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, the sounds that are produced are self serving. You might remember that Snoop Dogg, quote, where he offered thanks this way. Last but not least, I want to thank me for believing in me. I want to thank me for doing all this hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for never quitting. These are sounds of boasting of personal accomplishment. When the sounds that are produced are when someone believes he or she is the source of rescue, the source of salvation, when when he or she has pushed or pulled himself out of the pit, the sounds that are produced reflect self-sufficiency, self-reliance, pride, self-righteousness. That sound can lack sweetness and produce a lack of hope. It's not very powerful to many of us that are struggling. On the other hand, when we trust in self and do not experience rescue, the sounds that are produced can be self-deprecating and filled with shame, like what we encountered with Michael Richards. They tear down self. I'm so stupid. I'm worthless. I should be able to do it. Or maybe when focused on self, the sounds that are communicated are sounds of striving. I need to do more. Have I done enough? As Christians, we can be prone to produce all of these sounds when we forget that it is the Lord who has rescued us. When I believe that I have rescued myself and not been rescued by the Lord, that can lead to sounds focusing on self, or sounds of shame and self-deprecating. Last week, I I said Psalm 39, in ending on a note of telling God to turn his face away, it would have been an ideal sermon for Good Friday. Psalm 40 is more of an ideal sermon for Easter Sunday. The, The situation of being pulled from the pit it points to our ultimate rescue and deliverance, and our ultimate rescuer. See, we have rejected our Creator. We have rebelled from imaging our God. The simple commands of obedience offered so that man and woman would flourish, those have been silenced and shunned. These are the sounds of disobedience. And that rebelling and shunning, it is not just Adam and Eve who produce those sounds. You and I do it too. It is a state of every person born a- Adam and Eve, born after Adam and Eve. As Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have found ourselves in a desolate pit, needing to be rescued. And this reality is described in a variety of ways in the scriptures. We are dead in our trespasses, not physically dead, but theologically dead, spiritually dead. We are enslaved to sin. We may not be wearing physical chains, but we are wearing spiritual ones. We have a heart of stone, a hard heart, rather than a soft heart or a heart of flesh. God's people, we found ourselves desperate. Apart from the grace of God, we found ourselves in a pit of destruction, something you would find in a horror film. And yet, God has purposed to pull up sinners up from the pit. Here's John three sixteen, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Remembering we have been rescued from the ultimate pit of sin and death, it produces a proclamation of praise. Now maybe you're with us this morning and you would not identify as a Christian. Maybe you have never cried out to the Lord to be rescued. This morning, maybe you're feeling desperate and helpless. May you have ears to hear. May you listen up. God sent his son to save sinners like you and I. Rather than say, do more, pull yourselves up by the bootstraps, the God of the Bible says, it is finished To all who have received him, he gave the right to become children of God. God is proclaiming this rescue to you. Will you listen? Will you receive it? Or will you continue to reject it? See, when you receive being pulled up from the pit, a powerful proclamation of praise is produced. Now let's explore a bit the power of that proclamation? What type of power does it produce? So in verse 3, we read how being rescued produces a new song, but but we stopped short of touching on the power that is produced with that new song. Here's verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord." Singing a new song is about sharing sounds, declaring stories of redemption and rescue. And so this verse is describing the work of an evangelist to share the good news of the gospel, talking about how God saves sinners. But the evangelist portrayed here is not telling others the good news of the gospel out of duty, but out of delight. An overflow of the heart. The Lord has rescued me. The Lord has saved me. Let me tell you about how I have been rescued by the work of the Lord. As you and I tell that story, it is such a powerful proclamation. The psalm says people get saved. This proclamation is so powerful, it draws others to surrender. Many will see and fear and they will trust In the Lord. See, when you hear stories of rescue, they are compelling. This is less doctrinal information of why God exists or how Jesus is the only way or how we explain the existence of the Trinity, but more, how God saved me. How God took someone in high school like me from a messed up family. I was wandering and God saved me. There are all sorts of different stories of salvation in this room. Some growing up in Christian homes. Some descending into the depths of addiction and rebellion and religious activity. All of them are stories of radical rescue that surface sweet songs of salvation. When those stories are proclaimed by God's grace, those stories have the power to save others. In the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John, a Samaritan woman, one who is rejected by many because of her gender, because of her ethnic background, because of her religious background, and because of her poor life choices, marrying a multitude of men, the tunes of her old song, ones of being isolated and alone, longing for something different. She has an encounter with Christ. He asks her for a drink of water, and she receives from him living water. He pulls her from the pit of longing, longing to to no longer be alone, longing to seeking satisfaction in men. He offers words of mercy and grace, forgiving her of her past sins and challenging her to live differently. She listens to these words. She embraces this rescue. And the sounds that are produced when she departs into her town are powerful words of praise. The author of the Gospel of John records this. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. Having been pulled from the pit It produced a powerful proclamation of praise. She told others how she had been rescued and those sounds resulted in people getting saved. The gospel spread. More and more people surrendered to Christ. Sounds of salvation are intended to be be declared to others. And those others, those others, they're, they're not just those who are outside the church. They also include those inside the church. It's important for us to, to share stories of rescue and redemption with one another. Here's verses 9 and 10. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I do not keep my mouth closed, as you know, Lord. I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. You think about what happens when we gather on Sundays or when we, when, where we sing songs of salvation because of how we have been pulled from the pit. Or when we gather together as a gospel community and we share stories of rescue and redemption. When we gather, we don't just suffer together, although we certainly do that. We enter into one another's sufferings. God's people also rejoice together. We tell stories of rescue and redemption. We're emotive. We celebrate. We're kind of crazy. Now, crazy for someone more serious may be different than someone a little more emotive. Sounds of salvation will be expressed differently, but every one of us in Christ, we should be people who rejoice at rescue. We should sing. Ephesians 5 says this And don't get drunk with wine which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So much of my family last night, we traveled to a, a wedding in Holdridge, Nebraska. Uh, we got in about 1 a.m. Uh, so if I, if I look or seem tired, there is a legit reason. Okay, it was a family wedding. Now, much of our fa- family is churched, but they do not necessarily, they have not necessarily surrendered to the Lord. So when the, when the toasts started last night, we were encouraged to hear words and phrases that communicated more than being churched, but they, 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 they communicated surrender. See, my wife, she longs for her family to surrender to Christ, for them to experience that type of relationship. So we're out there, and we run into someone who we used to be in church community with, who shared a story of the groom being pulled from the pit. My wife responded, shedding significant tears. She was celebrating salvation. See, being pulled from the pit It produces a powerful proclamation of praise. We were there to celebrate a wedding, and that's good and that's fun. But these stories of rescue and redemption, they lead to real rejoicing. When we come together as God's people, whether on Sunday mornings or in gospel communities or over coffee at scooters, when we have been pulled from the pit, We share stories of rescue and redemption. We're so crazy, it sometimes seems like we're drunk. We can't not talk about how God is working in our lives or in the lives of others. We talk about his character. We talk about his love. We talk about his mercy and grace. We talk about what we're learning in his word. We sing songs, communicating both theological truths and experiential truths. God has changed my heart. God has changed my life. God has saved me from the pit. Am I known for such sounds of salvation? Do I tell stories? Do I sing songs proclaiming how I have been rescued? How can you and I grow in that vein? This is the type of power produced by the praise that is proclaimed. Finally, one more thing. The proclamation of praise produced, it is so powerful. It helps us withstand a variety of future challenges, and trials. Here's verses 11 through 15. Lord, you do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me, for troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled because of their shame. We live in a fallen world. You see, one descent into the pit, it will likely not be our only descent into the pit. People we love will die. People we love will get sick. Our bodies will begin to fail. As that happens, remembering we have been pulled from the pit, it produces power. The the psalmist is anticipating, if God has rescued me in the past, when I face future trials and challenges, he will rescue me again. I may have to wait again, but I will be rescued. The author describes external threats, troubles without number. Think encountering sickness or hearing the false accusations of others, being confronted with condemnation or situations where you don't get the job. You can trust God in the future because you have been rescued in the past. In addition to external threats, the psalmist describes internal ones, struggles with sin. These threats are more than the hairs on his head. These threats are so many, the psalmist says, your courage leaves you. You feel defeated. You feel like you don't want to get out of bed. You are disoriented and devastated. See, in a room this size, I know some of you may be in the darkness of the slimy pit this morning. It may feel like your courage has left you. You feel like you may be experience victory in one situation or circumstance, only to experience loss in another. How long, O oh Lord? The psalmist is very aware of this reality. Having experienced rescue and redemption, singing a new song, it doesn't mean I encounter a life free of trial and challenge. In fact, because we live in a fallen world, because we are fallen, more trials and challenges will be encountered. But because we have been rescued in the past, rejoicing in that rescue, it gives us confidence and hope in the future. I said last week that many of us struggle Not because we're not strong enough, but because we are not desperate enough. We can't be rescued from distress when we are not desperate. We can't be rescued if we don't believe we need to be rescued. Psalm 40 invites us to remember we have been rescued. And in remembering we have been rescued, part of the power of the the proclamation produced that new song that we sing is knowing that God will rescue us in our distress time and time and time again. Having been pulled from the pit, it has produced a powerful proclamation of praise. We sing, we evangelize, we encourage God's people. We say, the Lord is great. People of God, may we be people who rejoice at how we have been pulled from the pit. And may we proclaim words of praise to others and to ourselves.